motivated? Get educated. Get growing your property empire with the How To Property Podcast with your host, Ryan Luke. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today I am joined by my fellow morning property coffee meet moderator on Clubhouse, Julie Hogburn. And um, for those that don't know Julie, she is a property investor, a mindset coach, uh, just all-round general good person and um, happy to share plenty of information, got a lot of experience and uh, works a lot with um, in the coaching and mental space, uh, which I think is yeah. really important for business. And that's why I'm really excited to have you on today, Julie. Thank you, Ryan. I'm looking forward to this. Um, and I just want to say to everybody, please ignore the whichever way my finger's going, the empty bookshelves. I'm in the process of moving as well, so packing. <laughs> they don't always look like that. That's my library. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, we were just having a little chat offline about moving and uh, don't really envy yeah. anyone doing it, but I guess you do it no. every now and then. So uh, where are you moving to? Is it far? or? Um, it's about a half hour drive from from where I'm currently. Um, and interestingly, it's a rental. I mean, there's a long story behind this. So I am an investor, but I'm living in a, I'm moving from rented into rented because my houses are all full. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's an interesting story. Oh, well. <laughs> we can go into it if you want. <laughs> oh, it's a, yeah, it goes back a few years. <laughs> so um, obviously we uh, have connected on the world of clubhouses. I think everyone is these days. Yeah. And, um, you know, we I listen to you share many, many, many golden nuggets on the morning. So I thought it was important to get you on. I think um, the property is about uh, the podcast, sorry, is about property. But yeah. I think I'm a big believer that you know, property knowledge is probably only 20% of what you need to create a successful business. And I think the rest of it is is purely mindset driven, which I know you're, you're big into. So let's go back to maybe the start. What kind of got you involved in the mindset space? What what triggered you to, to want to go there and, um, and, and really dive into that as a subject matter? It's really interesting, actually. Uh, I've not I've not actually been asked that question before. Um, what got me into it was I saw somebody in an in an organisation I worked for at the time, and I thought they were doing a really poor job. And I was observing that they weren't um, achieving the results I believed they could achieve within training and learning and development. And I was in retail at the time, and I was in um, – I used to install systems. I mean, my background is diverse, but I used to install systems. So when when um, uh, retailers went to electronic point of sale, because I remember the old manual tills shows everybody how old I am. But when um, retailers first went to the electronic point of sale, I was installing all the cash office systems and training people in cash office processes because I'm an ex-accountant, ex-auditor. Um, and I was seeing people who were in the learning and development division of that retailer producing staff as in graduate trainees who actually didn't know what they were doing and my ego at the time <laughs> was rather large and I said to one of my colleagues they're doing a really poor job I could do better and one of them left <laughs> so my colleague said, you need to apply for that job. Put your put your body, your being where, where your mouth is type thing. 
So I applied for the job and got it. Absolutely. I have no idea why they gave it to me. They clearly saw something in me that I didn't see apart from my ego. And that was when I was 28. So it's over 30 years ago. So I've been learning about how we behave as humans as humans for over 30 years. Um, and I got into it because I thought somebody was doing a poor job. That's yeah. how I got into it. And what did, uh, I guess, once you take, took that role on, what did, it, what did it kind of teach you about the mindset and how, how, did it then, um, how did it then propel you to where you are today, which is obviously coaching people and giving people good advice around the mindset? Well, so knowing nothing about it when I got the job, and I literally mean nothing apart from my own personal experiences. And I wasn't into personal development back then. I just mm. did what I did. Um, I remember somebody saying to me, well, what, what are your beliefs? And I remember saying, because it is indelibly blocked into my brain, I don't have any beliefs. What are they? I'm like, what? Now I know what I know. Um, so what did it teach me? A, it taught me to get out my own way. So I remember the first training program I actually delivered was on managing conflict and um I, I just flat panicked I mean how, what who was I to be teaching people how to deal with managing conflict now one of my values my highest value is is honesty um I didn't know that then I know it now so going back to when I first started because I didn't know what I was talking about in reality I learned it and I can only teach something if I've actually done it. Hmm. So I had to put myself into positions of dealing with conflict. And this was just the first program because I did it right the way through everything else I did. I had to put myself into positions of dealing with conflict rather than ignoring it, getting angry with it, um, you know, rebelling against it, brushing it under the carpet, whatever we do when we're in the, those tricky situations. I had to literally implement what I was actually training people. And by doing that, it really made me start to think about who am I? What am I? Where did I learn all this stuff from to behave how I'm behaving in the world? And, and being really honest with you, Ryan, and anybody that's listening, and please ask me any questions. I tried to change myself all in one go. I unpicked myself to a level of who am I? And then I got really confused. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was doing. So I put myself back together as I was and then changed it bit by bit by bit by bit, working from the foundation up. And I've done that over 30 years and I still do it. I do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Dave's asking question, uh, how do you work out your beliefs in detail? Oh, big question. Um, you work out your beliefs in detail by analysing why you do what you do. So, oh, God. See, now I have to reverse engineer this, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> so work out why you do what – so look at what you do and then analyse why you do that thing, say that thing, um, create that thing. So all of us – and, and generally, it will go back to your early formative years between the ages of two and seven. Loads of research on all of this. Between the ages of two and seven, we're formed. We're born perfect. 
we're born with no we've got generational stuff that comes in with us so you know that I'm not going to go there but we've got the generational stuff that comes in but we're born perfect we're influenced already a little bit and then we're influenced by those around us so if you study what your parents for want as an example say or do you will find that within you and if you don't find it consciously within you it will be an unconscious driver so the way to work out your beliefs you know deep beliefs is to think about why you do what you do and then just carry on asking your question yourself the question why am i doing that why am i doing that why am i doing that why am i believing that why am i thinking that and it will track you back to the foundation belief now i still do this i mean don't get me wrong i still do this on occasions because i find myself making a a judgment against or about something or someone or a situation and i'll give you a prime example of this um and then i'm thinking why have i just why have i just done that thought that said that my head isn't analyzing tool it's just the way my brain works and i'll give you a prime example so when i was um many years ago i was in a recruitment process and i was recruiting the graduate trainees and i had two people in front of me who were equally as good as each other on paper through the interview through the process equally as good as each other on everything that we had done through the progress so we used to do the points and the ticks and they they did this did that so they were equal on the points and I was having a real aversion to one of the people and I didn't know what it was so I and this was where I first started doing this I started to think about what on earth is it why am I why am I liking one more than the other and I boiled it down I tracked it back and it was because one of them and I apologize in advance for saying this but one of them had ginger hair <laughs> and I thought why that why is that going on what's that about I tracked it back and when I was young so primary school we had a girl in our school she was a couple of years older than me she was a bit of a bully I'd now recognize she was a bit of a bully she never bullied me but then I've never been bullied in my life that's my belief so that's what sits within me um she was she Put, picked a baby bird up she put it in a crisp bag and stamped on it what color hair did she have ginger yeah there was another girl i went to school with in primary school who smelt what color hair did she have ginger and that's where it came from it's fascinating now isn't it yeah fascinating. So just track it back and you'll find it and do you think you can change these beliefs if they're from from that so, so yeah definitely because all you've got to I say all you've got to do I say it so simply because I do it all the I say I do it all the time I, I've done it a lot over mm. many decades because they pop up and I'm like Wait, what's that about um yes you can because if you track it back and you look at it from your adult perspective of what you did or believed as a child like those two incidences there I knew it wasn't ginger hair that was causing that it was two incidences about two individuals. One was a nasty piece of work, just vicious, yeah. nasty. She did never change. She was just, yeah, one of them. And the other one, 
um, I found out later, didn't have a bath in their house. <laughs> you know, yeah. so her situation, one was nasty. I don't know where that come from. But the other one, the situation, I mean, you know, my house had a bath, it had an inside toilet and, and all the rest of it. Hers didn't. Yeah. And for you know, so many of um, for many of my listeners who are maybe born like <laughs> as millennials, <laughs> I know it's funny. Uh, sadly, yeah. my gra- sadly my grand passed a few weeks ago, so we went back to where she lived, and I, and I took uh, I took my wife, and I said that's where they used to live, and I said we, I remember as kids we used to have to go outside in the middle of the night to go yeah. to the toilet, and yeah. uh, there was no toilets inside or even bathrooms no. and stuff. No. So just to put that in perspective for the younger audience, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, no, it's that's um, how, and I don't really want to go down the COVID route because I'm a bit sick of it, as is everyone. But obviously, I've got kids in that age range of two to seven. So, do you think do you think there's an impact there from from not being at school for the for the last year? And how Huge. great do you think it is? And what do you think Massive. we can do about it? More more importantly, I think there's. Um, oh, I think there's potential for huge impact on children. It actually frightens me a bit, and I don't get frightened of much stuff. I feel for them because they are being brought up, young youngsters and teenagers, because it's affecting everybody in their mm. in their own way. They're being brought up to be afraid. They're being brought up to not touch people. They're being brought up to stay two meters apart, apart from your bubble. So your your parents. They're being brought up that all of the adults wear a mask. Mm. So they're being brought up to not not. Um, access the cues, the body language cues that come from the bottom half of our face. Now, if you smile, it goes up to your eyes, but they won't see a lot of other emotion. Yeah, They're being brought up without connection to their peer group. So the interactions for the, um, you know, how we learn how to socially behave mm-hmm. are going to be missing. Uh, there's so much to this. It's untrue. And I, I am... I'm not going to be around to well I will be around to see it but I won't be around possibly to interact with it but they're being brought up isolated I mean yeah. I don't know what you did as a kid I bet you went out on the streets or over the wreck or over the park and played football and um, played tennis in the street or whatever we did as kids you know, got on your bike and hammered down the hill that you were told not to go down and go and play around the the ruins in the in the woods that you were told not to go to they can't do it anymore Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I I look back to like, we used to go down the Dean, and we always used to just come back when it's dark. There was no watches, yeah. there was no nothing. No. But even now, I think there's no way in the world I would let my two boys just disappear off at like five o'clock after school and then come back at half eight and just like accept that. Do you know what I mean? But it was so, and I think I think information, uh, readily available information of of what you're talking there, the 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 stuff went on back then with the murderers yeah. and all that sort of stuff yeah. but it the fear wasn't instilled through the tv no. then so no one knew anything about it and you're correct in what you're saying there about this fear based i mean like my son he's just gone my youngest he's just gone five so technically 25 percent of his life has been covered yeah you know which is, is obviously a big part of someone's life um do you think do you think and i, I totally agree with this social you know I- I intimacy and things like that I, I think it will have an effect i mean what could we do about it? Do you think what, what what do you think as soon as this is over, you just get them interacting and you just you know get them socializing and just make it as normal as possible is my kind of thoughts around it all. 
Um, yes, and I think there can be so much done now. Mm. I think the social interaction, as much as it's online, like, you know, um, getting them into, I'm going to say gym classes, boxing classes online, socially distanced in the park when it's allowed to be. I think this whole, um, you know, technology is fabulous. Getting them to talk to their mates, but face to face, you know, yeah. the, the art of communication is vital for us doesn't matter what age we are you know clubhouse is a fabulous platform for that because you can hear the voice mm -hmm. uh, you you're utilizing your interpersonal skills more than if you're just texting mm -hmm. um i think as parents not be scared yourself because your children do pick up on your emotions you know so if as parents you're angry or you're talking about the fear factor or you're talking about the bloody government or the vaccination or you know whether you believe in it or not doesn't doesn't matter um but your children listen to that and it goes in even if it go it goes in subliminally mm -hmm. if if nothing else so as parents we i mean i'm not a parent i made the decision not to be one many years ago um i wouldn't have been a good parent then i would have been now but not then <laughs> i just i just spoiled my nieces and nephews at the time um but if we are if we are indicating fear or if we are indicating nonsense swearing you know wh whatever it might be that we do talk negatively rather than talking positively um you know moaning about things we can't complain that goes in it yeah. goes into our children and they feed off that and then they and then that's what they believe that creates their beliefs that influences them and that's what they then put back out into the world mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and there's probably a lot of that going on in a lot of households from parents i mean it's it is tough you know there's no getting away from it yeah. it is tough right now and you know even as much as you you love your partner and what have you you know yeah. li living with them as much as we are these days is not normal and um no. you know no. it's, it's definitely something that we're not we're not used to so um I, I mean i feel i really feel for people and I'll, I'll say this because i've noticed it a lot just re well i've noticed it a lot right through lockdown homeschooling what i've noticed is so both parents um you know both parents generally work nowadays unless we're really you know families are really fortunate but what i've noticed is that with the summer furloughed summer working from home and the women that i've been talking to recently seemed to, seem to take the majority and the onus of the homeschooling even when they are at home working in their own job mm. And I have to say it, and it's not a gender thing because it just isn't, but I've noticed that the male of the partner um, isn't taking as much responsibility for that. For the Now, that's the thing about women, you know, working in tandem and working in collaboration and saying, oi, it's your turn. But I've noticed the women are taking on far more. Yeah. The, the women that I've been talking to, not all, I'm not stereotyping, but no, the I women I've spoken to. It's certainly the it's case in my, certainly the case in my house why, why do you think that is um i think it's i think it's that going back to the neanderthal days of, of who we are and what we are and that fight flight response the man is the hunter gatherer mm -hmm. historically and the female is the carer and the homemaker and the everything else so in the last was it 50 60 years maybe which isn't long i mean when my mum got married 
um, she was not allowed. She was a nurse. She was not allowed to continue to nurse because she was married. Now, that's my mum. So that's only a couple of generations ago. So there's a massive cultural change going on. And I think I think we're not we're not in we're not through the change yet. Yeah. So women are still and it is a bit of a gender thing on this this one. And I hate that, but it sort of is. Women take on that responsibility more easily than males do. Because yeah. it's sort of inbuilt. We, you know, I've said, I said, I've not got children, but we carry the child. We make that bond. Yeah. Right. At that, I, I, that I point. mean, I'll be honest. I lasted ten minutes in lockdown number one with homeschooling, and that was that. I was like, "There's just no way I can do this. I've got like, I've got, I've got what I think is more important things to do, rightly or wrongly. You know, it probably isn't because their education is super important, but." um yeah, no, it's and and that does go on even if you just look at your friendship circles. So yeah, and, and would you say that that comes down to this whole bringing you back to your kind of early few years, even in the generations we're in now, it is still ingrained that that's the way of or what used to be the way. Um, as you say, both partners never used to have jobs. It definitely used to be one one and then the other. But uh, cool. So let's right, let's fast forward a bit. I feel like we're going a bit deep here, but uh, let's fast forward a bit. Um, how did you get into property? How did you make that transition? And let's talk about that for a bit. Oh, that was that was an interesting journey as well. I, I seem to launch myself into these things and then go, what am I doing? <laughs> um, back in 2011, um, I was a partner in a learning and development firm. Various things were going on. I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And I had one of those moments of oh, I'm just jacking it in. I'm leaving the partnership, which I did. Um, I left the partnership without without a penny, nothing. Um, I just walked away, said, and I sort of burnt my boats. I did it quite politely, but I burnt my boats. Um, there was no going back. <clears throat> um, and then what I did, somebody invited me or gave me a free ticket to go to the National Achievers Congress, the NAC, where you've got, I don't know whether you've ever been, Ryan, but it's a multi-speaker event. Um, it was on in the, um, oh, God, the big conference centre in London. Can't remember the name. It's gone. Um, and I went to that and I listened to people speaking from stage. Now, everybody that was speaking on stage was a um, and um, Tony Robbins was like the lead speaker. Yeah. Oh, it was another world. I, you know, I, I was in business. I thought I knew business. I've been in learning and development. I've been self-employed. I was a partner in a firm. Um, you know, I had been employed as well. So I'd got done all the things that I thought I'd worked for the private sector and the public sector. And then I launched myself into this world of what is commonly called the entrepreneurial world. And um, I was blown away. So I got my credit card out. I bought um, Walking on Fire with Tony Robbins, which was in Rimini. I bought a three-day um, program on how to be a property investor. I bought a three-day program on how to invest Forex trade. And I bought a three-day program on how to become an internet marketer. <laughs> why, why would I not do any of that? <laughs> um, and then I went through whole, all those programs. Um, I then bought a mastermind, 12-month mastermind in property. I then bought a 12-month mastermind in – I'll tell you another funny story, actually. I bought a 12-month mastermind in how to be an internet marketer. 
and I bought a 12-month mastermind in Forex. So I just launched and thought, I'll just learn it all. I'll learn it all. I'll do it all. Shiny object syndrome was in my head. It was all new. It was all sparkly. I was going to events and conferences, loving every minute. And when I left my um, and, and this is a warning, I thought that my previous however many years knowledge, experience, life could not play a part in my new world. So I parked everything I knew and didn't access it for years. Now, of course, everything I knew played a part in how you run a business, how you start a business, how you talk to estate agents, lettings agents, um, owners, whatever you're doing. All my past played a part, but I I just I've just binned it. Um, and then um, when I. So I did all of that. I traded Forex for six months. I broke even. I, uh, I used to trade Forex. Yeah. So I think I guy. actually did. Yeah. I actually think I did quite well. I've, <laughs> um, I've, got, a, I've got a funny story, so I'll come on. Went <laughs> but what I discovered was that I didn't like it. So watching green and red blips going up and down as <laughs> green, ah, oh, that's not me. I'm a, I'm a people person. I like talking. So um, I stopped doing And then what I started to do, remember I'm an ex-accountant, ex-auditor you know, X systems implementation, I analyze problems. Because the, the trades weren't coming through, I started to analyze the trades I was being given to follow. And about 90%, over 90% um, didn't didn't trade well, didn't yeah. trade well. And I just thought I lost all confidence in the company that mm. I was with. So I stopped that. I internet marketed um, for a while, learned how to build websites and all that nice stuff that goes with that. Didn't like that. No people didn't like it. So stop that. And I sort of fell into property. And then and I liked that because it is people and it's bricks and mortar. And what I discovered is that every house I didn't know what I was doing when I was younger at all. But every house I'd ever bought, I'd bought below market value and I'd bought I'd, I'd bought a house I could add value to. So I bought Rex. I've always done it. Mm hmm. And I'm, I'm suddenly thinking, well, this is what I've done for myself. I, At the same time as I was doing all that, I was moving. I was looking to move. And um, the, the house I had, I sold to buy one literally just round two corners, but, you know, a bigger house, better house on a different street. And I look back now and I just think, why did I not? <laughs> well, A, I took and I made an opportunity happen. But I just thought if I'd have kept that first house, when I knew about property, but I didn't know it then, it's almost doubled in, doubled in value in about, well, since 2011. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, but you can't, I can't regret it. Mm -hmm. But I look at it now and I'm thinking, oh, blimey, it's it's perfect. <laughs> but, oh, you know. there's, there's so many, uh, there's so many what ifs. I bought Facebook shares on the IPO. I oh. sold them and I oh. sold them far too early. You know, you, oh, I no. look. That's one of those like I look at now and I'm like, if only I'd kept that. <laughs> but uh, you saying that I know somebody that bought Bitcoin when they were ten pound. Yeah, I think I bought Facebook shares at thirteen dollars a share or something. Um, I mean, I, I made profit when I sold them, but just not half as much. Probably not even yeah. a fraction of what I'd have made now. But no, I used to trade yeah. forex. Um, so I did it full time for about two years. Um, I used to trade 
uh, one minute charts in and out. So I was like at the computer 16 hours a day, a million screens in my setup. Um, made, 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 as you know, you make some large gains and you make some large losses. And, um, and it's a, and for me, I just got sucked in and, and I was like, this isn't even a nine or five job. This is like a 24 hour job. And, uh, but what, yeah. um, funny in a sense, but not so funny. Um, I, um, I basically, I was in a trade and then I was going on my lad's golf holiday. I mean, you're talking like I was, I was only mid mid twenties at this point. And, um, basically I was, I was up and then I, I shut my computer, went on the plane. Obviously we got drunk on the plane. We then went straight out when we got there. Totally forgot about the trade. Oh no! Open my open my laptop the next morning. Just thought oh, I'll check that. I always used to put stop losses in. I forgot to put yeah. a stop loss in. Oh right no! So uh, oh, I lost no. ten grand gone, and that that for me was just like that. That was it. I was as you know, you get to the end of it, and you're a bit like this is a lot of work for the effort that's going in, and you know all that. And then I, I just. Um, that that for me was the kind of I think you have these moments in life, these pivotal moments, yeah. that, and that that for me was right. No more of that, and um, and kind of moved on from that. But and I see people now when they're like, I'm going to get into forex, and I'm like, the best advice I can give anyone about forex is just don't do it. You know, it's I think if you, if you if you're going to do it in the city and trade with institutional money, then yeah, fair enough because th- those boys can move the charts. Even if you've got the best strategy in the world. They can yeah. dump money or buy money, and the whole thing yeah. goes out the window anyway. So, yeah. but um, yeah, so so then you know, I think property for for everyone you speak to in property, it's it's more it gives you the time. You work yeah. where you want, whenever you want, however you want, and yeah. obviously it's a safe haven for your money. And you know, you can as as you do, you add value, and you can execute these clever strategies and um, and make them cash flow nicely to give you. A comfortable lifestyle, and yeah. and then you can take it as far as you want from there, really. Um, yeah. So. I mean, I love property. It's, I mean, I've just, I mean, talking about, I mean, I know um, property is one thing. We've been in lockdown. It's affected some property strategies. I mean, I've been okay. I, I do HMOs. Mm. Um, just so the listeners know, I do HMOs. I've got my own, and I also use the rent to rent strategy. So I've got mine for the equity growth and some cash flow because it's expensive where I am there's a lot of money left in that I'm now looking at how do I how do I leverage the money that's in because mm. mine are 50% loan to value otherwise they yeah. just don't stack yeah um, and then I do the rent to rent for the cash flow and I haven't got don't get I me mean, don't get me wrong I haven't got many but I would if I wanted to I would never have to work another day in my life yeah because property does give you that freedom if if and when you do it right and you buy right and you use the right strategy you you leverage the things right um, so, you know, I've done a couple of flips, I've done a lease option. So I'll, I'll, and I've got a really good creative strategy for people who are, and um, I've made up myself because you can, once you know what you can do, mm. you can add things together to create something. I mean, I love it because it's so creative that you, that nobody else is doing. So you can actually put yourself into a, um, a primary spot. When you join the creative strategy, when you join the strategies together, I mean, I just yeah. love it. absolutely love it. Yeah, there's so much, um, there's so much you can do with property, and I think it's almost like a lot of people talk about like diversification and like multiple revenue streams. Well, yeah. you can almost like use property as a category and have all those multiples within yeah. the same within the same 
industry you know what i mean so you don't yes, have to go yeah. and be an internet marketer do forex trading do property do this you can do it all within the property mo- sort of uh, arena should we say and yeah. um and i think that's what happens you know so for any listeners who are starting off you know get good at one strategy you hear that all the time and then naturally you start to progress and then i think you get to a point where it's like am i happy with that and comfortable with that and do i just want to now you know let that tick or then I think you start going into you know the bigger stuff, the developments, the new builds, the 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 bigger the bigger stuff, and whether you've got the appetite for that or not is is purely dependent on on each individual. I think. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's I think there's I think I'm picking up or beginning to pick up that there's a feeling that people have to have huge portfolios, they have to get into development, they have to get into. Um, you know refurbishment and flips and you don't Mm. it's what you as the individual want for you for your life for whatever it is you want to leave as your legacy you know if you've got children it will be different um and some you know and it will be different if you've got children or if you're on your own or whether you're in a you know with a partner it depends what you want to do it depends on the time scale you've got it depends on how old you are it depends on um you know, whether you want to go and run your property business from sitting on a beach when we can travel or whether you yeah. want to be hands on. It depends whether you want tenants or not tenants. It depends whether you want chunks of money or a, an income. There's yeah. so many choices. I mean, it's just fabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. And I think I think that in itself is the drug of property, isn't it? It's like then why everybody wants it and then when they get into it, they just can't get enough of it, you know, and yeah. – um, I mean, you just got to, there's what, 200 people turn up to the clubhouse room every single morning at seven o'clock and stay there for two hours. It's like, you know, no. it's, there's, there's not many industries. I don't think I could have that pull for, for two hours no. every single morning, seven days a week. And um, it's, it, it is, it is a great strategy and a great industry. Um, I'm so glad I got into it and I'm so glad that I've pushed myself to get to the position now where I don't work in the business. I just work on the business and, um, you know, and, and, as you said, traveling, working from a beach and, uh, and all that, that is definitely coming into my lifestyle in the next <laughs> six months. Um, you know, I've already got like the minute, the, the minute, the minute I can get on a flight to Dubai and not after quarantine, I'm over there. I need to go over there for, for this new business. Yeah. I venture over there. But at the same time, I, I do want to be doing stuff like that. The minute we can go to Portugal as a family and, you know, and go over there, we'll be going. And um, even just the minute we can, go and see some friends around the UK, <laughs> you, you know, if that's, yeah. and, and we'll keep having this debate now. It's like, would you take, and, and the obvious answer is yes, but would you take like not being able to travel out the UK, but everything just being back to normal for the next few years, or would you rather persevere for another six months like we are, and then being able to travel abroad, you know? And um, I think most people are choosing kind of the UK option rather than this horrible, horrible lockdown, because this one's been by far the hardest the this 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 current lockdown for me anyway and i think echo most people seem to be struggling a lot more with this one than, than the other ones um, it's it's the culminating effect if you mm-hmm. if you think about what goes on up here but also what goes on in your heart it's the culminating effect we've been we've been this is the third lockdown isn't it mm-hmm. yeah third lockdown so you think about it we did the first one we came out of that we got released we went into the second one we came out of that, we got released, and now we're into the third one. So it's the uncertainty of it all, apart from the time, like the duration, is the uncertainty of it all. And 
I'm hearing a lot of people say, just want to be back to normal. Mm. I have to say, I don't think we're ever going to go back to the old normal. I don't think that's in existence anymore. Yeah, I hope you're wrong. I, but, um, yeah, so, so do I. And I'm the most positive person yeah. you will ever meet. Yeah, it's no. acclimatising to what the new is change. We've been taken through. So my little bit of a cynic little head um, comes in. We have been taken through over the last year a huge worldwide change initiative. So for anybody that's in business, <laughs> anybody that's ever done any learning and development, there's stages of change and we've been mm. gone we've gone through them. Yeah. And we are constantly going through them. And every time we go through them, there's a slight adaptation to the end result. Yeah. It's um yeah, I mean, I mean, you talk about, you know, we've interfered with this virus as well, whereas things like the Spanish flu and stuff like that, no one interfered with that, and it, it took two years to run its course, but we have interfered with it. But yeah. anyway, on the positive side of things, yeah, exactly. in the UK, we are smashing through the vaccines, and hopefully we're not a million miles away from being able to go to a bar, order a pint, have it in a pint glass, and speak to your friends, give them a hug, high-five yeah. them. Exactly, and, uh, rather than doing the elbow thing. Uh, yeah, and just, uh, you know, get back to the gyms, get on the tennis course, the golf courses, and, uh, you know, <laughs> and the world will be a better place. But, uh, Julie, listen, uh, incredible as always. Uh, thank you very much for your time. You're I know you're a busy person and obviously you're moving and house. Moving. So moving. Um, whilst you'd probably rather sit and talk to me all day than pack those boxes, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to let you go. But uh, thanks a million. And, uh, well, I'll see you in the morning, no doubt. Yep, you will. Thank you, Ryan. Thank Take you, everybody. Care. And Thanks. if anybody wants to ask me any questions, just ask. Yeah, sorry. Uh, as I always do at the end, how do people connect with you? Oh, um, right. Well, I'm on all the social media platforms. So DM me on them. I'm getting a lot of DMs through on Instagram at the moment. So that's sort of becoming my preferred process because I've only got to look in one place. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. Julie any Hogburn. Is it just at Julie Hogburn? Yeah, so yeah. just my name. Yeah, cool. All right. Pleasure. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Ryan. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye.